Uh, welcome to Every Nation Church, Las Vegas. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out here. Now, we, we do have something for the moms at the end, but wanted to say first, thank you for everything you do. I shouldn't have looked at my mom. That was a big mistake. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, much, of, much of which is unseen. I hope you'll have something done or given to you today because you definitely deserve it. Uh, now, we're going to continue on with our series called Baggage. And uh, it's not necessarily a Mother's Day message, but I can share a mother's story because finally, I, I, I feel like I've really grown up when I can help my mom with things, right? Like I can help my mom with her phone when she doesn't know her own passwords. So last year, we had a moment where I helped my mom with something. We are having a leaders, life group leaders meeting. We're all together. I noticed, hey, my mom's not here. What's happening? Is she just playing hooky? Like, what's going on? So I look at my phone, and I missed several phone calls from my mom. Call her back, and I find out that her tire went flat. And we might have a picture of the tire. Yeah, there it is. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen, like, those strips of tire on the road. I've always wondered, like, where do those things come from? Because I've never seen a tire that bad until that day. Because that day, the tire came from my mom. So I'm asking her where she is, and she can't describe it. She turned the wrong way on the way to our leaders' meeting, but thankfully I have her location. So I follow the location to her. Ask your parents before you take their location, everyone. And uh, I'm excited on the way to help her because I'm like, all right, now I can show my mom how much of a man I've become. And I can change her tire all by myself, and I can save the day. So we get there, open the trunk, and we unload all the stuff. And we pop open the compartment, and there is no spare tire. And now we're just stuck together. <laughs> so all we can do is call different tow truck companies, which oddly, this was on a Sunday. They're closed on Sunday because cars don't break down on Sunday, right? Chick-fil-A is closed. Zupas is closed. Tow truck companies are closed, in case you need to know. They charge you extra. So we're calling different companies. It's hot outside. We are stuck, like really, really stuck. And sometimes in our lives, we get stuck, don't we? Things happen to us and we can't progress any further. Things happen and we are thrown off our trajectory in life. We might even feel stuck in our relationship with God and we don't know how to move on exactly. So what are we supposed to do when we're stuck? I think the word of God has an answer for us today. So we will go there after we pray together. Would you join me? Lord, we thank you, first of all, that you're here. We also thank you for the mothers today. We pray that you would bless them abundantly and we pray that our hearts as people, together, would be open to your word. Lord, I pray for those who have been stuck, will be stuck, or are stuck right now. We pray for a spirit of liberty to help us move beyond the places where we are stuck. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I don't know if you guys could tell, but it's getting a little bit hot outside. Right, this past week, I went to go pick up my daughter, and they got to 98 degrees, according to our car's temperature. Dude, I almost did it. I almost did it. We almost, 96 degrees in the shade, real hot in the shade. So, it's 96 degrees in the shade. It's only going to get hotter. Thankfully, the wind will help cool it down this week. But once the Las Vegas summer is here, it feels like we're there forever, doesn't it? That's what eternity feels like, Las Vegas heat. And it feels like the heat's here, and we're stuck, and there's nothing we can do about it. And our real lives are very similar to that because we get stuck in these seasons of difficulty, 
We get stuck at these places where it feels like we can't do anything, and it just lasts forever. So our main text today is going to come from Psalm chapter 69. And if David had a greatest hits album, Psalm 69 would definitely be on one of his greatest hits. And I know this because Jesus himself, on the night before he was crucified, quoted Psalm chapter 69. And then the Apostle Paul, when he was writing one of his classics, a little book called Romans, quotes Psalm chapter 69. This one is a big deal. So as I'm preparing for the sermon and looking for a passage that God has for us this week, I realize that this is probably the one. And I can see it's just like this very beautiful and powerful picture of what it can feel like when we're stuck in a season of difficulty and even stuck in a season of suffering. It's a very honest Psalm. So let's read it together. We'll start with verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 69. It says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Now, who here is familiar with that Hillsong classic, Oceans? And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. Anybody know that song? Yeah, this psalm is the exact opposite. The total opposite. David is painting a picture of himself drowning. He's in a flood. The waters are up to his neck. And the Hebrew for that phrase can also be translated to say the waters are threatening my life. And he's in these deep waters with nothing for him to grab onto. No, no uh, life preserver, no tree branches. It's like being in a pool on the deep end, which for me, because I'm not that tall, it's most ends. And you're nowhere near the wall when you start cramping. This is the situation that David finds himself in. Except this is deeper than any man-made pool because the emphasis of the word deep exaggerates it. It emphasizes it. So this is deep, deep, deep. I remember going jet skiing once with some friends. And uh, the first time I was ever on a jet ski, I had a life vest on, so it wasn't that dangerous. But our friend takes us out maybe half a mile beyond the shore. And he takes a sudden turn and throws us off into the water. And we were all laughing, but I was curious later, how deep was it there? And it was probably anywhere between 75 and 250 feet deep. That's the kind of deepness that David is experiencing. And his throat is parched because he's been calling out for help for so long. He's losing his voice. And his eyes grow dim because he's losing consciousness. That's the kind of situation that David is describing. And as we read on in the psalm, he's not talking about literal drowning. He's going through emotions that feel like drowning because of real things that happen to him. And I think a lot of us can emphasize with that. We, we know what it's like to be in a situation where we feel like we are drowning emotionally and spiritually. And these seasons have been described as walls or dark nights of the soul. Uh, Peter Scazzaro is the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he likes to refer to these moments and these seasons of difficulty in our lives as walls. The reason why he uses that phrase is because we're walking along this path of life and suddenly a wall appears and we can't progress any further. In other words, we're stuck. 
And the phrase dark night of the soul comes from St. John of the Cross. And he wrote a classic work about 500 years ago. And dark night, it's not Batman. The dark night of the soul makes a lot more sense when we think about the lives they lived. Because the most light they would have at nighttime is a little candle or a lantern. The most you could hope to get around is if there was a starry night with a full moon outside. When night comes, everything had to stop. And the thing about night is that it comes whether we like it or not. We hit these dark nights of the soul. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might. Not, hey, hopefully you don't. But uh, maybe in this world, we will have trouble. Trouble comes whether we like it or not. Trials come whether we like it or not. And sometimes the trial is so big that it launches us into more than a bad day. It launches us into this season of prolonged difficulty and hardship. And these seasons of hardship can be caused sometimes by difficulty or uncertainty at work. It can be caused by financial hardship, by health problems, either for us or for family members. It can even come from things like shattered dreams or questions about our faith. And when we reach these moments where, when we're in a season of difficulty, it feels like we might be empty, exhausted, weary, tired, drained, and even dark. And when these moments happen, we might have more questions than we have answers. And it could even feel like the doors of heaven, the windows of heaven are shut over our lives. Now, one person who experienced a moment like this is Mother Teresa. Believe it or not, Mother Teresa is probably the most famous mother who's not actually a mother. But she started the Missionaries of Charity in 1950, and by the time she passed in 1997, her little team of 13 nuns grew to over 4,000 of them, helping people around the world. So God obviously helped her grow 13 to 4,000. God was there. God was present. God was active. God was involved. But Teresa didn't always feel that way. So here's what Mother Teresa says. Uh, she wrote this in a journal about her own dark night of the soul. She writes, when I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. Love. The word, it brings nothing. I am told God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. No, these words sound like they're deeply hurtful, but for some of us, we can think back to time of our lives where we had our own darkness and coldness and emptiness, can't we? You probably face your own walls, I know I have, but the good news is that these seasons, they come and go. They're not forever. Night is not forever. The Vegas summer was hot and miserable. It's not forever. We eventually come out of these things. And as we progress through Psalm chapter 69, we see David speaking with a little more faith. So let's read Psalm 69, verses 13 through 15. Here's what it says. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, Answer me in your saving faithfulness. 
Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. So we've gone a ways here. We've moved from the beginning to where we are right now. And now as we read this passage, David's faith starts shining very beautifully. And what we read in verses 13 through 15 is like a perfect mirror to what David first wrote in verses 1 through 3. Let's think about that. So in verse 3, it ends with David losing his voice and even losing his consciousness because he's cried out for help for so long. But in verse 13, as it picks up, David continues to cry out to God anyway. He continues to pray and ask God for his help anyway, persisting even through losing his consciousness. In verse 2, he cried out that the waters around him are very deep. They're deep, deep. But in verse 14, David said, deliver, deliver. For every deep thing he calls out for, God, uh, David asked God to help deliver him. I think there's a cool lesson there. Because David allowed the level of his prayer to match the level of his pain. David allowed the level of his prayer to match the level of the, of the pressure that he was facing. I think sometimes when we're trapped in a season of difficulty, we need to allow the level of our prayer to match the level of the pain and the pressure we're facing. It's not enough for us to say, oh, this is so difficult. This is so hard. Let me go talk to Netflix. Oh, this is the worst time I've ever had in my life. Let me play a video game. Video game's not going to do anything for you. God can help us. Let's allow the level of our prayers to match the pain that we're facing. Verse 1, David said, the waters, the floods, they're coming. But in verse 15, David says, don't let the floods cover me up. Don't let the water overcome me. It's this perfect mirror, and I can see why Jesus and Paul are quoting this passage now. So when I'm reading this confession of faith, I'm excited, and I'm thinking to myself, how on earth did he go from where he was to where he ended up? I want to end up here. I want to be in verses 13 through 15. So how does David make that transition? If he's in this bad place in verses 1 through 3, and then he's in a good place in verses 13 through 15, then maybe the verses in the middle will tell us how to get there, right? It'll teach us how to navigate those difficult seasons in our lives. So I read the passage again. And as I read the passage again, I got, I got to see a glimpse of what David was alluding to. And the floods in his life were caused by people who were treating him unfairly. Uh, basically being haters, without a cause. Uh, D, uh, G. Campbell Morgan, he was a Bible commentator, and here's what he said. Undeserved reproach is the most stupendous grief possible to the sensitive soul. And I thought, wow, that's deep. That's deep, deep. Stay on that, G. Campbell Morgan. David, I know what you're going through. But the answer wasn't there the first time that I, walked, I read through the passage. So I read through the passage again. And then I saw David interceding to God on behalf of the people who depended on him. Because different people followed David. And he could feel not only the responsibility for his own life, but also the responsibility for their lives. And David said, hey, God, don't let me be ashamed and don't let them down either. What about them? And for those of us who have people depend on us, we know what that feels like. We know that burden. But I still didn't see the answer. So I read the passage again. 
And I could feel David's frustration as he talked about how he was faithful to God. And as a direct result of his faithfulness to God, he was insulted and outcasted. You know, sometimes you hear of something called a prosperity gospel that tells us if we do something, the way God says it, then God will bless us. As if he's a genie in the bottle that we can rub the right way. But this is more attuned to the reality of Scripture because sometimes we obey God and sometimes we follow him and sometimes we do what the Word says and we still don't get the result we want. And when we find ourselves in that place, it can be a very frustrating place. So I'm reading this passage again and again and again and I see us. I see myself. I see my family. I see people in the church whose stories I know. I see us in this passage I see our hardship, I see our walls, I see our dark nights of the soul, but I don't see a way out. I don't see how we leave the season of hardship. And I think that's the answer. There's nothing we can do to change the seasons. Nothing we can do. Not exactly the answer that we were looking for, was it? But if you think about it, what can we do? To make the night turn into day faster? Nothing. And what can we do to end the Las Vegas heat in the summer faster? Nothing. So there's nothing we can do to change the season. Now that doesn't absolve us of responsibility. There are some things that we can do and should do. We're responsible for adapting to the current season. And we're responsible for preparing for the coming season. We can adapt to the season. So it's springtime right now. It's windy outside. Uh, The forecast said we'll see winds of up to 50 miles an hour today. And when it gets windy, where's my people with allergies at? Like, amen, brother. It's about as many hands as I saw up in worship, too. (laughs) Me, I'm allergic to things. If we're allergic, don't walk around miserable. Like, hey, hallelujah, Pastor Roland, hey, achoo. Take some Claritin. If you're in church and you want to show praise, take your Flonase. We're adapting to the season. And we can adapt to the seasons of our lives too. In 2020 and 2021, our church had to adapt to the season of the world. We started having church services online. We started having life groups online. Not that we didn't want to meet in person, but we needed to adapt. We can also prepare for the coming season. Summer's around the corner. It gets hot. Kids grow quickly. And our three-year-old, who's turning four, Allie, she needs more shorts. So it's not enough for us to say, Allie, just pray. Just pray, my love, and the Lord will answer with shorts. We bought her shorts. And when it gets hot outside, the bugs like to come inside. Yesterday, I was uh, coming back into my garage, pressed the button. And when I went to go press the button, there was a big spider right above the garage door button. I pressed the button and I backed away because it was dead. It didn't move because it was dead. And it was dead because I sprayed the house a few days earlier. And I'm thankful that the poison worked. But I'm wondering how many more of his brothers and sisters... We're already in there. Anyway, I'm preparing 
for the season. We can prepare for seasons of our lives. She's not here today, but I told her I'm doing this. Um, you guys know Tam, Tammy Bonner. So we believe strongly that Tam is called into full-time ministry. And she's doing, she's praying, and many of us have prayed, but she's also preparing. So you might know that she's got her bachelor's degrees from UNLV, she's got a job, she can have her own apartment, but instead of continuing to, you know, have her own apartment, which she worked for, she actually is going to move out to move in with her aunt to save money. Because when she goes into full-time ministry and raises her partnership team, she'll need savings to live off for a while. So she hears the call of God, and because of the call of God and a coming season, she's preparing for it. We're responsible for adapting to our current season and preparing for the coming season. So in the seasons that you're in right now, is there anything you can do to adapt? Or is there anything you can do to prepare for a season that you're believing for? If you're believing God for a new thing, don't get stuck doing the same old thing. If you're believing God for a new thing, then do a new thing to prepare. So we need to adapt and we need to prepare, but there's still nothing we can do to change the season. And we don't want to go through these seasons of difficulty alone. We want to go through them with the people of God. That's what life groups are for. So get with a life group. But as we adapt, as we, we prepare, we trust God to change the season when it's time and to change us at the same time. When David wrote out his faith-filled prayer in Psalm chapter 69, he said, at an acceptable time, O God, save me. At an acceptable time, God, answer me. Acceptable to who exactly? Because when I'm going through a tough time, it's acceptable to me for God to save me right now. David is saying when it's, when it's acceptable to you. In your good timing and in your good will and in your good grace, save me, rescue me, change the season. And in the meantime, I trust you. That's what David's writing. So when my mom's tire was flat earlier, we did our part and we adapted and we couldn't prepare really. Maybe we should have prepared by putting a tire in the trunk of the car. But now we're just waiting on a tow truck company. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> One of them gives us, my Flonays was like dying out this morning. I was telling uh, John, Dr. John that I uh, puffed twice, once in each nostril, didn't really feel anything, sprayed a third time into the air, saw very little, and sprayed one more time, and it was done. So there was just enough Flonase, just like God gives us just enough grace. There was a lesson in there somewhere. So we're preparing now and waiting for the tow truck company. They say, hey, it's going to take us 25 or 30 minutes to get out to you. We waited 25 or 30 minutes, not there. So we're waiting 25 to 30 more minutes, still not there. We call them, we ask the dispatcher, hey, what happened to that tow truck? And she checks her GPS and she says, I don't know. They should have been there. So an hour and a half later, after we're waiting out there in the Vegas sun, the tow truck shows up. But when the tow truck shows up, it was able to do what we couldn't do on our own. Because that little car with the shredded tire just couldn't move. And suddenly we've got a vehicle with so much more strength, so much more ability that loaded it up 
onto the bed of the truck, brought us to Walmart where we could fix the tire. It got us out of a situation that we couldn't get out of on our own. And sometimes when we're in these seasons of difficulty, we're just waiting on God. And we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. But when God shows up, he can take us out of situations that we can't leave on our own. God has the power to change the season. And in the meantime, it's an opportunity for us to deepen our trust in him and deepen our dependence on him. God will change our seasons at the right time. But in the meantime, God wants to use our seasons to change us. God uses trials to transform us. That's what he wants to do with it. That's what he did with Mother Teresa. Earlier we read her quote about what happened in her dark night of the soul. God used that moment to show her what Jesus went through on earth. So here's how she concluded the very same passage that she wrote earlier. She said this, I have come to love the darkness. For I believe that it is a part, a very small part, of Jesus' darkness and pain on earth. You know, Jesus Christ went through his own dark night of the soul. As he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's asking the Father if there is any other way to pay for the sins of humanity. Let's do that. But there was no other way to satisfy God's justice, which demanded a sacrifice for our sin that ruined his world. So Jesus went to the cross anyway. And when Jesus went to the cross, something happened. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. It's almost as if Jesus took on the fullness of all of our sin and put it on himself, became that sin himself. But our sin is offensive to God. God is holy and perfect and good and cannot associate with our sin. So at the moment Jesus took on our sin, God the Father looked away. And for the first and only time in all of eternity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became separated from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, who was on that cross, died alone, away from God the Father. And that was his dark night of the soul. But thankfully, his dark night ended three days later because Jesus conquered the grave. And if he conquered his dark night, it gives us the hope and assurance that our dark nights will end too. And because we have that guarantee, we can engage our seasons of hardship with a different attitude, a different perspective. So James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4 say this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. While we are waiting for God to change our seasons, God can change us.
in Dark Night of the Soul, John of the Cross wrote that God uses our trials like a loving fire. What on earth is a loving fire? Well, fire can be used to purge and purify precious metal. And it can also be used to strengthen other metals for use and purpose. So what St. John of the Cross is arguing here is that God uses these seasons of difficulty to purge our souls from things that hold us back from becoming more like Jesus. Some of the things that he lists are pride, which we can see as a, ten- <coughs> as a tendency to condemn others and be impatient with their faults and being selective in who can teach them. Sometimes we need pride to be purged from us, discontentment, wrath or becoming easily irritated and angered, even spiritual envy when others do well in their walk with God, or maybe even sloth, running what is running from what is difficult and hard, which we're called to do as Christians. If any man desires to be my disciple, he must take up his cross and follow me, not pick up a snuggie. God wants to purge that attitude from our soul. And if you've been through a season of difficulty, maybe you know how God used your trial to transform you. Three and a half or four years ago now, my family had its own trial when my dad was arrested for robbery. Now, I talked about that in a sermon a couple months ago. It's called We Need Spiritual Formation, uh, March 13th. You can see that on our website. But after this happens, we're all going through this dark night of the soul as a family together. And uh, I personally feel shocked and betrayed. And through this season, I feel like I'm constantly running on empty spiritually because I didn't have the opportunity to stop. But God used that trial to transform me because it was in that season that I first got introduced to the idea of spiritual formation, that God cares about who we're becoming in him more than what we're doing for him. And it began to shape the way I look at and follow God. And now that's one of the reasons why we're talking about these things as a church. God used a trial to transform me. How is God using your trials to transform you? Maybe he's purging something in you. Maybe there's an attitude, a mindset, a habit that God wants to change so that you can become more like Jesus and live out his call over your life. Or maybe God is just strengthening you through this fire. Perhaps the call that he has in your life It's so profound that it takes greater strength than you have right now. God will change our seasons when it's time. But in the meantime, God wants to use our seasons to change us. So if we find ourselves at these walls, then maybe, since we're stuck anyway, it's a good opportunity to pause to reflect on what God is doing in our lives and then to participate with him. If we're in this dark night of the soul, then maybe it's time to slow down before him and ask him what he wants to do. God wants to use our trials to transform us. And if we will participate with him, then we can leave our worst moments 
better than when we ever came in. Would you join me as we pray? Father, thank you for this opportunity to be with you, to be with your people, to celebrate Mother's Day. But I pray now for anyone here going through their own dark night of the soul. Lord, I pray that you would be the light that they're looking for. And as you become our light, that you would show us two things. One, a way forward. And two, what you're doing in us along the way. I pray, God, for a lifting of the burdens today. I pray, God, for a lifting of the heaviness. I pray, Lord, for a breaking of the chains. Let us find freedom in you and create freedom in us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would even reach into our hearts and speak to us now, giving us hope and giving us perspective for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. One more thing as we get ready for a special treat for the moms. Uh, We can bow our heads and close our eyes one more time. If you're here and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you were walking with God before, but you're not really walking with him now, I want to give you an opportunity to start walking with Jesus again today. So if that's you and you're here, why don't you go (coughs) go ahead and raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Anybody here? Thank you, Lord. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray with me as the church prays along with us. You can repeat after me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to find me at my walls. Lord, help me move forward with you. I believe that you are God's son, that you died on my behalf and rose again three days later to a new life. Help me to live a new life in you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.